That's right. You're listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast. The alternative underground dive bar fan podcast of the Seattle Mariners. Brought to you by OB City Entertainment. And now, the host of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast, Myron Sutner. What up? This is episode 19 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast, the alternative underground back alley secret society speakeasy dive bar style podcast about and surrounding the Seattle Mariners. And on today's episode, Hanno from Edmonds and myself are sitting down with Steve from Huntington Beach, who's a, yep, He's an Angels fan, and uh, so yeah, we're sitting down and we're breaking bread with the enemy just to see where they're at and where we're at, and just trying to find some reason about this brawl. We kind of just look back at some of the things that we've seen online, some of our uh, favorite uh, videos we've seen. Uh, We just kind of talk about uh, some unwritten rules and what perceptions we thought we saw and uh, what maybe I saw or didn't see in the stadium when I was there this weekend. I'm excited to get into this episode. I know I've had a lot of uh, messages and emails from followers, friends and family asking where the hell is this episode on the brawl? Well, guess what? If you're listening to this, that means it's done. It's out here. It's in the public. Here it is. Uh, yeah, so so we decided just to kind of like sit back and see what everybody else was saying about it and just kind of do a uh, retrospect or look back at it. When the story kind of crescendoed, which we feel like it has at the time of this recording, the suspensions have been released. They haven't been served yet, but we know that they are staggered. Those haven't went into place uh, at the time of this recording. The Mariners have just finished a series with the Baltimore Orioles, which they took two of three, which means, look, the Mariners have won three series in a row. Things are looking good. Uh, we got a four-game series coming up here with Oakland at home and a quick series in San Diego for two games. That's when we're going to come back with more of a X's and O's, analytics, and you know, computer baseball shit and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, time for me to shut the hell up and get out of the way. You guys have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. And here it is, episode 19 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. Is there Hanno? Yeah, hey, buddy. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's nice up, to man? Meet you. Nice to meet you. Big, yeah. a- big Angel fan, huh? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's like 1967. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. To... Uh, they used to have the freeway series at a field in Long Beach called Blair Field, where they play high school games and um, college games, minor league, that kind of stuff. But it's major league um, size field. And that's where they used to play the freeway series. <clears throat> so I started going to those local games. And that's how I got to be an Angel fan over a Dodger fan. I had my choice. <laughs> that's good. I'm, I'm glad. So do you remember yes, when yep. there was the Pilots? Oh yeah, yeah, Tommy Harper. Oh God, please, please yeah. tell us. No, I saw. No, I, I, I know. I, 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 absolutely remember the Seattle Pilots. They weren't around long, so one, one, <laughs> one season. <right? laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. One so, season. Yeah, Steve's he's 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 been an Angels fan through thick and thin ever since I've known him. Our, our big thing is that we've bonded over. He always says that we're both losing franchises, so that's what. Yeah, we're which which the the most surprising part is Houston, one of the prior to their success, one of the lowest winning percentages of any professional sports team. So what happened to them? How did they what did they do to get rid of their jinx? I, I don't know. I you mean know? you guys got a world title. I mean me and Hanno don't even have luckily. That. We don't even have luckily. We're like the virgins in the locker room that have to pretend we know what it looks like, smells like and feels like when everybody else is talking about it. And it's been like that way since before the tiles were falling in the kingdom. I remember, I remember the first um, game that was ever played in the kingdom was when I was in high school or um, junior high. Maybe I was in, I was in ninth grade, maybe or eighth grade, and uh, at the kingdom. And I remember how strange it seemed, like watching that dome. It was just like a strange look to. Like, you know, when you're watching it on TV, it looked different than watching games from other stadiums. But, uh, but yeah, that uh, kingdom was a trip. That was kind of a big deal at the time. So where, so during the fight, where were you sitting? How close were you to it? <laughs> well, I know I went there all weekend, but unfortunately, and I'm never going to forgive myself for this, I missed the first part of the fight. I was only there for the aftermath uh, for the aftershock, I, you know, taking a, a page out of your book, I, I found the most affordable parking, which was $5 right across from Catella on how no. And I was over there. I got there just, you know, 20 minutes before game time. Uh, it was very hot. So I decided to, you know, switch my clothes. I'm having a, you know, I'm having a, I'm having a, a parking lot, uh, spritzer and i'm putting on my sunscreen i'm doing all i'm just taking my time on just a nice sunday afternoon i start hearing rick riz talking about what's going on with the throw behind julio and rick riz is going off he's saying that's intentional oh you know i gotta go back and listen to the recording and if you haven't go back and listen to the recording rick riz is definitely irritated he's pissed Lock my car up. I start speed walking and jogging across the street because I know something's maybe going to happen. I'm listening on the phone. I'm listening through the streaming. I'm kind of hearing what's going on. But, you know, when you're streaming a game, it's delayed a little bit. And you know where the Amtrak, old Amtrak station is out there outside of center field in Anaheim, right? I'm coming up that tunnel, and I can see the fans on the first baseline upper deck and there's this huge gasp, and you can just tell everybody's looking in this direction, but, like, it's a different kind of, it's almost like watching an accident or something like that, like something bad happened, and it was just, like, quiet, and then it got louder and louder and louder and louder, but I didn't hear any, like, music, because if it was something that was going on in the game, they would, like, you know, they'd play, I like to move it, move it, I like to... Move, you know, they just play some jock jams or whatever they're playing now, or whatever crappy Christmas music they were playing this weekend. There, I just put two and two together and I started running towards the stadium like I was running from the bullpen to the fight. My my thing comes back, 
immediately catches up to what's going on. They're fighting. Oh, my God. Here comes uh, JP out of the dugout. And Winker's wrapped up. Oh, this is big. This is bad. And everybody's texting me and calling me at the same time. I pick up the phone. I'm like, I got to go. I throw whatever I have to throw away in the garbage. Got through security. Ran through the (laughs) aisleways. Got to my seat. And that's where the second part. And I sweat. I swear to God, I sweat for like. I'm still sweating. I'm still sweating right now. It was 90 degrees out. I'm running in my, I got my Griffies on. I got my rye bread and mustard t-shirt and I am full tilt going to my seat. Like I was coming out of the bullpen, like the, the bullpen catcher coming into this brawl. Yeah. And your adrenaline's now raised. I can totally, I can picture it. On a hot day. If you've never been to Angel Stadium, if I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced there's a hole over the ozone layer over that thing. It is hot. So <laughs> I didn't realize Winker had flipped off everybody in the section. So yeah. there was a lot of people that I think snuck down into the behind home. No plate, doubt. And they were no screaming doubt. and threatening the Mariners. And they had real security guards and the event. They're all real security guards. Since that, but like the event security guards and the uh, like private security guards and people were they were definitely picking out like people that were trying to escalate it in the crowd. Some of them even asked them where their tickets were. Some of them left. They were definitely trying to taunt, taunt the, taunt the Mariners big time down there. There was also a couple of fights there that day. It was a very tense place. It was, it was, it was super tense. Oh, you could, you could feel that from on TV. Oh yeah. People were, people were, uh, it was definitely it was chippy and edgy the night before, and it was super chippy that day. So you say that you missed the fight. You were in the parking lot and you I, missed the fight. Yeah, I was. I was <laughs> down there when I got there. Everybody was back in the dugouts, but you know, on our side, Julio was still there. JP was still there. Uh, Winker was still there. He had his shades on. He had his hat. He had like all this stuff. Like he already knew he was gone. So he had yeah, and that's up. why he had his bat in his hands when he went running after Iglesias through the sunflower seeds on the field, the reason why his bat was in his hand is because he already had his bat and yeah, his, like, uh, his, exactly. his, his just shin his, guard and just, all that stuff in his hand like, already. Yeah. It, wasn't like he, it wasn't like the fight ended, and he went back to the dugout and grabbed a bat in anticipation. No, no, no he didn't do that. And this guy had his daughter in his in the stands, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if she was there that day, but she had to be there during the weekend because between every inning, this guy would wave up. And, you know, he's a really loose, fun, kind of goofy guy. And, you know, but obviously, you know, he's from the Cincinnati Reds. Him and Suarez are from the Reds that we just traded for this season. And, you know, in that division, I swear the Reds get in a fight every year or had you know they had a fucking puig on their team you know yeah he'll he'll, yeah. he'll get you in three fights a year right i mean so anyone, uh, anyone who licks about like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> get ready to play hardball in the kingdom take me to the ball game i want to see the ants Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. You were there on Friday night. Did you get a Shohei Otani snow globe? I did get a snow globe. The whole Christmas thing. 
was the I got all the Christmas shit stuck in my head. And I also my conspiracy theory is that they just got fed up with the Christmas music. They got fed up with the weird decorations. They got fed up with the jolly cheer. They got fed up at seeing the Tommy Bahama Santa Claus, the lazy Santa Claus, as I like to call him. And they got tired of probably looking up at the big screen and seeing their faces superimposed onto Christmas movie posters. And they all lost their shit. And, you know, both dugouts turned into Grinches. I don't know. Just a, just a theory, just a thought. And just started. It wasn't. It wasn't just one night. It was three. It was. It was, it was supposed yeah. to be the whole weekend. But by the time the after the fight happened, it stopped. It was almost like mom and dad got in a fight. Now the, we're unplugging the tree, and the decorations are going down. <laughs> and it was. I think. I think one of the angel players got confused by the Christmas and June thing because on Sunday, when it was roasting hot during the fight. You see an angel player that's wearing a hoodie with a baseball hat on, and the hoodie hood is over the baseball hat, and uh, it's like ninety degrees. It is, you, you know, be like the angels have some really interesting. Did promotions. they do the stupid Christmas in June thing? They've done it before. They did it in like two thousand and eighteen. But it's Christmas in July. Yeah, but you can't get sued by Hallmark. So you have to have it Christmas in June. Okay, well there you go. My girlfriend is <laughs> going to be so happy to hear why because we couldn't figure it out. I was already. I just hadn't gotten to that yet. I was that, that's written down on the plate that you can't. That's the reason why they had to have it in June. You know, because I, they didn't want to risk getting sued by Hallmark. You know, Steve. When I got in there, when I noticed it was Christmas in July or June, when, when I noticed it was Christmas in June, was when I got there. I saw the tree and I heard the Mariah Carey music and I was like, oh, they must be filming some sort of production in the front of the stadium where the hats are out. They put a massive Christmas tree. It almost looks like the Christmas tree from Disneyland. And maybe that's where they got it from. And then they got the snow globe. And then it's not like they just put it on the big screens and put a couple of things. Like if they did this honestly in T-Mobile Park, they would probably manipulate it with all the lights to make it feel like wintry or Christmassy, right, Hanno? Yeah. But you know, they hung. And then I saw that they had wreaths. photo ops with they had where they had reindeer there that they you had could reindeer. have photo ops with. They had reindeer. Yeah. The like promo team were dressed up like Santa's uh, like helpers. Uh, they had wreaths, huge, huge, huge wreaths over every single section of the park. Uh, then there was that's hang- great. That's great money wasted. And, and there- yeah, and I was thinking about. Oh, sorry, Mark. No, go ahead, go. No, and that's what surprised me. All that labor and effort, yeah, to hang all that stuff and bring it up for a weekend and down in another two days is crazy. Especially since it's not going to sell any more tickets. Well. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of Santa Clauses in there, but it's the Tommy Bahama, uh, you know, Santa on vacation Santa, which is, you know, right. I'm not interested. And I'm then, just interested and then in this. On, and then on, in, in Christmas in June, why do you have fireworks on that promotion night on the Saturday night? It's Christmas time. <laughs> Shoot those fireworks off. Yeah, it, 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 none of it made sense. And here's the thing that was crazy about it. There was it. I just finally, I was in there just like Christmas does. You just start embracing it because it just beats you down and just, you know, you just, you start to get in this, like I got a couple of Christmas songs stuck in my fucking head at, at the end of June. Is that fair? Is that fair? Not fair. I, 
I was really getting mad at it, but then when we were winning and we had a good inning, I had to go to the bathroom, and I was humming while I was in the stall. I'm simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I'm simply having... Oh, God! Michael, what can you tell us about your future plans? I like to buy myself a ballpark. Michael Jordan is going to buy a major league ballpark. Will he buy Comiskey? Will he buy Yankee Stadium? How much is Jordan willing to pay for a ballpark? 15, 20. Your usual, Mr. Jordan, one ballpark. Ballpark Franks, so full of flavor, they plump when you cook them. Yeah, I might just have enough for two ballparks. And try ballpark fat-free Franks. All the taste, none of the fat. All right, well, let's start diving into the fight itself more. Um, how about we start with the suspensions that uh, Major League Baseball just handed down um, prior to this recording? Um, obviously, we have Phil Nevin, the Angels coach, with 10 games. Jesse Winker gets seven games for his participation in this fight. J.P. Crawford, Anthony Rendon, and Dom Chidi all get five games. We have Andrew Wants. And uh, that was the pitcher who got three games. We got Ryan Tapera. He got three games. Julio Rodriguez, uh, two games. Ray Montgomery, two games. Marcel Iglesias, the guy who, uh, you know, took his uh, frustrations out on the uh, sunflower seeds and bubble gum. Also got two games. Uh, and uh, Manny Del Campo, who is a uh, interpreter for the Angels. He must have been uh, escalating it in uh, multiple languages, I guess. And then Bill Hasselman, who is a uh, former Mariner, now a coach on the Angels, gets one game. I mean, when you look at this and you put it on the scale, you definitely can tell here that the Angels risked and lost a lot less than the Seattle Mariners. It doesn't really seem fair, uh, considering I feel like they instigated it. What do you think about these... Uh, do you think these are fair? So, I see what you're saying. You know, with the Mariners having starters and impact players and the Angels having mostly coaches and a couple bullpen players, I can see how you feel, how it's so disproportional for what happened. Um, I think that's a big reason why Bill Nevin got 10 games. Uh, he kind of, he provoked this, you know. he pre- This was a premeditation of him and you know, the Mariners finally had enough, and their big players who got hit or were involved actually did the actual violence and fighting. So that's why you see the game, number of games suspended that you do. And then with Jesse Winker, with flipping off the crowd, that probably got him an extra extra couple games. Um, I just – the suspensions are pretty much right where I thought they'd be. Yeah, I mean – I, I did think you were going to be getting the handful and up for a couple of people. Uh, Phil Nevin, they're saying 10 games is the most the manager's ever got, and I don't, I don't know if that's just something for a brawl, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, how, Steve, what are you guys feeling about what uh, the, the whole suspension do you think the Angels fans are feeling, or how do you feel about the suspension? Do you guys well, I, I feel like Phil Nevin let his players down. I feel like he let the Angel fans down, and I feel like he let his ego cloud his judgment, and he wound up making a mockery out of his rookie pitcher's first major league start, and it was so predictable how it was all going to go down 
when he announced the rookie as the opening pitcher rather than naming a starter for the game. It seemed pretty clear to everyone that uh, it, it wasn't going to go well. And, you know, and the fact that, like, you know, you're mentioning it right there that he is a rookie and this was his first major league start, something that's supposed to be a big accomplishment in a player's life, a big memory, and now you have this whole situation to be the narrative of that. And, I mean, it's kind of like, what are you going to do when the coach is asking you or the manager is asking you to do something? You don't really have a choice. You went out there and you were a big part of, you know, escalating this uh feud that was brewing and you know unfortunately to me wants is always going to be that guy i mean he's going to be the guy that started the fight and you know if this was like high school or something he's the guy that started that fight you're never going to forget it you know what i mean oh yeah that guy that threw at the mariners and i'm I mean, that's his new reputation. I know. To me, when I think of this, when I think of this, like just telling a player he's got to go out and do this, I just feel like it's like an excerpt out of a movie and the evil bad team. It is with with the varsity blues coaches coming over. It's it's uh, yeah. It's uh, what's his what's his name? John Voight. Oh, John Voight. (laughs) John Voight's going. You're going to take his head out there, son. I need you to just. (laughs) Even up the score for the team. You know what's well, best it's for too you. bad Don Zimmer wasn't there for this fight. And remember, you can't score any runs unless you get some hits. All right, now let's get a hitter up there. You kid, what's your name? Ruth, sir. Ruth, Ruth, what? George Herman Ruth, sir. But my friends call me Babe. Babe. Another Babe Ruth. Well, step up to the plate, Babe, and maybe swat out a few. Hey, Turk. Chuck a few into the next Babe Ruth. When you've got a well-known name, people expect a lot. You don't fool around. We've got a beer named after the city that means beer. Old Milwaukee. It's a tough name to live up to, but Old Milwaukee is one of the fastest-growing major beers in the country. Tell me, Babe. You don't happen to know any kids named Garrick, do you? Old Milwaukee beer tastes as great as its name. You know what I heard today on uh, 710, your favorite one, Hanno, Mike Salk's show, was I don't know if he gave up a person's name. I'd have to go back, but I think he's just like, I talked to somebody who played in baseball and was in a fight. I'm not sure if that's correct. I have to go check. But he was basically saying, like, look, Phil Nevin was, like, Phil Nevin was letting them know, like, hey, we have to come in here and we have to do this by putting in the starter. Like, hey, he was signaling to the Mariners and then the Mariners overreacted about it, which I'm I'm not buying. I'm just throwing that out there. No, I understand that. I think he's, you know, totally wrong for, you know, throwing behind Julio. It should be over. You got your one shot, you miss. I mean, that's, let's talk about unwritten rules. That's kind of an unwritten rule that I've heard, you know, players talk about. But he decides since he didn't hit Julio, then the next next inning and next batter, Jesse Winker, gets hit. So I think that's where the Mariners finally said, enough of this. We're going to defend ourselves and we got a problem. You could see Winker, he didn't go after the pitcher. 
He was talking with a catcher. He turned to their dugout, saw them chirping, and that set him off. And it was on from then. Yeah, uh, Steve, what like what do you think about Nevin? What do you think this does for him as a manager? Is this something that's going to help him or hurt him with the organization? I think in the long run, it'll probably hurt him. I also have a feeling that the Angels are going to finish the season with a losing record, and that will probably be enough to um, get rid of him. Do you think? Do you think he'll finish the year here? Probably so. It depends on how the season plays out. It may partially be decided by how well the interim manager um, performs um, in the during the ten game suspension. Um, it's hard to say. The Angels, they're the, this has been a disastrous season for them, and it's just been laced in disappointment after the strong start that we had because with the level of talent that the team has you would expect the kind of start that that they had and then to uh, to have that long losing streak and then now for this to happen the firing of joe madden it's just been a tumultuous season so far and um i i think that it may be best i feel like the the uh management of the angels they may feel like uh, this should all be a part of the past and just move forward with the new coach next year but we'll see how it goes because uh, stranger things have happened maybe they will uh, they'll get a second wind they have such a, a strong uh, team that they put on the field their pitching has has shined at different points of the of the year so far and then they've they've performed poorly at other times, so it's that's kind of an unknown. The addition of Reggie Jackson, Doug DeSensei, and Bob Boone promises Angel fans they'll be watching baseball's most explosive lineup in 1982. You won't want to miss a bit of it, so take a tip and join the Angel family of season ticket holders now. Visit Anaheim Stadium Monday through Friday, 9.30 to 4, and you'll be shown available seat locations. Seats on the field, the terrace, club, or view levels. Sit in the seats before you buy them and fill out an application when you visit. It's going to be an exciting year. Angel Fever. Catch it. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I heard Rick Riz. He's still standing firm that, you know, he blames Phil Nevin. I think that's pretty much universally pointed out. I did see on MLB Central and the MLB Network, that they were kind of taking the side of the Angels of understanding their frustrations with the Mariners. I don't know how much of that has to do of protecting the Shield and protecting, hey, this is Mike Trout, because that's what the whole situation on MLB Network, they seem to be just like, you just don't do that. You don't do that to Mike Trout. So I can get that argument. I just, the way they went about it, and and yes, these are, unwritten rules that are still in the game that you know i i like the traditional baseball i think it's great but also like there wasn't a retaliation after the julio thing so you know and it also feels like phil nevin knew which guys you know there's the conspiracy people out there to say hey phil nevin like orchestrated who was gonna do this and who was gonna do that and you know and my cousin's response to it my cousin the ninja a picture diagram of how the Mariners should have combated this fight. 
it's pretty interesting. He has the uh, bullpens coming in and taking out uh, Trout and Otani. Um, he has Toro going <laughs> going after uh, Taylor Ward. Is that your guy, Taylor Ward? Going after yeah. Ward. He has the Mariners bench also going after Trout. So Trout looks like he's getting double teamed on this. And the uh, coaches staff, the coaching staff, uh, goes with Winker down to the dugout. And uh, he's got all the really good um, hitting Mariners staying put. Uh, not needed, but I'll put this uh, yeah. <laughs> crazy person's diagram on the Instagram. Uh, it is pretty funny, isn't it? I like it. I like yeah. it. One more thing, getting back to the altercation, were either of you surprised or um, disappointed? Because I've seen some Angel fans online uh, upset that Scott Service wasn't suspended for any reason. Do you guys have those same feelings? I, mean, I don't think he should have been suspended. No, I think ejecting him from the, the game was enough. I mean, the guy got in there and was trying to pull people apart. He doesn't look too aggressive in there. I mean, he's got he's get he's get he get he got tore up in there, man. He he looked like he slid into second base, right? <laughs> like at the back of his pants and <laughs> his legs. I mean, he had dirt all over. His shirt was ripped out. I think this guy on this video said he looked like the dad from uh, Step by Step. Um, good. Uh, yeah, it, it strikingly does. But uh, I, I think him not getting anything is fine. I think him getting kicked out of that game was enough. I'll agree with that. Yeah, I think maybe just the Angels fans that I was reading online, I, you know, were thinking that the Mariners purposely tried to buzz Trout that night, and maybe that's their frustration. I don't know, but as far as the actual fight, I didn't feel that he did anything to warrant a suspension. I can totally agree with that, and that's what I think, but I also can see why somebody else would think the other way, because it's really like based off of like he said this and he said that. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a bunch of backstory that led up to this. And, um, you know, maybe for like some of the listeners that might not be nuts like us that know like every single uh, part of this because we've been, you know, researching it um, left and right for a couple of days. And uh, maybe we could just like, I don't know, make a timeline or a pressure point of the timelines that led to this just so like nobody's confused about. Um, a lot of these situations because it was more than just the winker thing. Let's uh, let's do that. Kmart is your Christmas store. Save on gifts you're looking for. Light up those long winter nights in long, cozy nightgowns made of brushed acetate and nylon. Trimmed with embroidered details or pretty ruffles, they come in flattering baby pastels, and they're priced at just $4.50 each. Another bright gift idea from Kmart. Kmart Christmas Saving Store. All right, if we go back to where this seems to start, it goes back to that Angels Mariner series the week before when Trout, what, he hit four pretty much game ending or game winning uh home runs against us what five home runs in a five game five series home runs, i believe i think he had nine rbis and the mariners only scored what uh 
nine runs the whole, I don't know. It was pretty, it, I think his amount of runs and home runs, uh, total bases to outdid the Mariners. He pretty much took out the Mariners. Um, you know, and then you had the, uh, Upton, uh, hit to the head from a pitcher and then the pitcher right handled the next day said it happened to, he blamed it on the slick ball. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, Michael, uh, Michael Lorenzen is the pitcher that hit Upton and he's a pretty nice guy. Um, it would, it appears he volunteers, uh, in the community. He goes to elementary schools and, uh, and visits with the kids and they have baseball clinics and, I just I find it hard to believe that uh, that he would be throwing at Justin Upton's head. I, I believe him fair when enough. he says he, he didn't do it on purpose and that the it was due to a slip ball. Fair enough, fair enough. And then we go into this this past weekend where you know it started again with maybe a, a buzz to Otani that they haven't mentioned. They buzzed him, and the very next pitch he hit what a four hundred and sixty eight foot rocket uh, later <laughs> in the game. Um, oh, and I was there. I saw it, I, and might have been one of the hardest home runs I've seen anybody hit that close in person. Um, it, it was insane. It was very loud. And then again, it got tense in the ninth. Uh, Trout was coming up. The Mariners were up two runs. The pitcher before the batter before um, got on base through a walk, but he started that at bat. Remember Hanno o two, and then got four. Three of the four balls were up and away in the zone. Um, pitching coach comes out. Trout comes up to the plate. Pitching coach goes back in the dugout. And then the Mariners proceed to throw two high and up and in to Trout. One knocking him down to the ground. Then they put him on. Then Otani flies out to the wall. And that's where everything seems to have started to unravel, starting to unravel, right? Yeah, what precipitated the next day and what the Angels came up with overnight. And yeah, and their premeditated, in my opinion, strike against the Mariners to get, get payback. Yeah, and it was after, after, after the, the game. After the game, after the game, right? So this is just for anybody that's Correct. going back through the timeline that's listening to this. It was after the game, the Mariners were on the field doing their post game celebrations, and the Angels stayed in the dugout. I was there. I didn't notice this until a bit afterwards that the Angels dugout was there and people were chirping. But as a viewer at home, were, did you know about this at all, Hannah, uh, Steve or Chris? No, I didn't. I didn't see them celebrating, skipping around and doing the dancing and the, um, until the, uh, the video came out. See, I had no idea about it there personally that it was happening because I was I had my camera and I was uh I mean I had my phone and I was focused on the celebration that I like to post a celebration picture anytime I'm at a live game of the Mariners high fiving and slapping asses and you know like JP Crawford doing the gritty dance and all that. And then I looked over to my left as they were going through the dugout and Dylan Moore was being interviewed. And when Dylan Moore was being interviewed, it seemed like he stopped and looked over there. I kind of made my eyes go to the angels dugout angels, uh, people or angels, players and coaches were kind of couldn't really, couldn't really tell who was saying what from where I was looking from off to the side of the dugout. 
But the weirdest thing happened was the lights then just dropped because it was like the firework night, the Christmas firework show. So I think that kind of diffused that situation. Then the very next day, obviously, Nevin putting in the opener, um, then Julio being thrown at. Warnings were not given until after this. And then later in that inning, Marco Gonzalez took the mound for the Mariners, does not retaliate at all there's no more retaliation so maybe this thing is done and then we get to you know the next inning opener still in there he hits winker and the rest as we should say is history right so that's that's the timeline can we all agree on that yes i I, if i had to attribute one specific incident it would be the celebration by the mariners after the game had they not celebrated this none of this may have happened by celebration. I, what do you what what specific? Go ahead. Harry. It was excessive. If you watch the DraftKings uh, video, that's they kinda, are dancing. That's what They're they kind of do around. after They're every two, game. Okay, well, I, I like I, it. Come on, bring it. I like it. No, well, no, I don't. I don't didn't realize that they did that every game, but it just was. Uh, it was just seemed like it was excessive. Um, they were not taking into account that Trout had been buzzed by the pitch and that the Angel bench was furious. I can see. Uh, you're, you're right. The Angels took it as, as excessive and pissed off, and they're worried about the, the buzz pitch, the Trout. The Mariners, their three outfielders get together. After every game they win, they kind of do a wash machine dance, I call it, with the three guys' arms around each other. Yeah. And then... Then they come into the infield, and it's usually just the guys giving bath high fives. You've seen it probably many times, but also the washing yeah, machine, we, the washing machine dance. That's <laughs> not they did that, and that's not what caused the problems. It was the they were uh, dancing a jig. They were oh the the gritty dance. They were really ported on. Yeah, so they did the washing machine dance, and then the outfielders are there coming into the infield. Winker meets up with Crawford. They get a little, like Steve said, that dance. And then the Mariners then continue on to give each other high fives. But the Mariners always celebrate their wins like that. Yeah, and that's the... Well, that's the no, that's, no, one, no one told Phil Nevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the washing machine dance is pretty cool, except for the one time I've seen it with uh, Adam Frazier in it, and that guy is just one stiff white guy. He just, just does not look like he's 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 understanding how it works. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually, I have the vi- un- video. I have an entire video from Strike 3, and I kept my focus on the excessive dance. I'll put it on the, our Instagram page, which is rye bread and mustard, which is at rye bread and mustard podcast. Check it out on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, they do. The Mariners are kind of upset, uh, you know, excessive celebrators, but also look, they don't do a chain. They don't do the, uh, they don't do a, a a home run blazer, and they sure in the hell don't do no cowboy hat where the guy goes down the entire dugout. Yeah, you could hat. argue that the cowboy you could argue <laughs> the cowboy hat is as bad as, as anything the Mariners do. Worse. Another thing I was thinking, Steve, too. Obviously, you know the Angels were on high alert, and we're watching the Mariners celebrate after the game. But most of the time, players aren't on high alert. 
and the Mariners didn't know that. Usually they're packing up their stuff, looking to go down, shower, and do their media thing, go home. So most of the time, the opposing team, losing team, is not even paying attention to the team giving high fives, the winners, you know? Oh, I agree completely. And the Mar- I, I'm sure the Mariners weren't aware of the fact that uh, they were perceived as Making a and, and, and I, I do, and I have this. I'm looking at my video right now that I took, and I went right where the the tunnel that goes into the clubhouse from the dugout. It, they just kept going, quick, 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 and I was like, "Dang, none of the guys are standing around like they usually do after the games." Uh, they just kept disappearing, like just a train going in a tunnel. And the only people that seemed to be out there were the people that were being interviewed for the post game, and maybe some coaches and the. Uh, bullpen that was coming in from the outfield so that's what was really interesting to me was because I was focusing in on all the guys coming in the dugout and not looking over there until that you know the Dylan Moore stopped the interview that was going on like literally in front of me so um, and then again the lights went down for the uh, Christmas uh fireworks show at Angel Stadium and that was it until the next day. There may be no greater thrill in sports than the crack of a bat and the roar of a crowd as a small cowhide covered ball hurtles a distant fence. It's baseball. Seattle Mariners baseball in the kingdom and there is no greater enjoyment than being there. The game starts at 7.35 and not a moment before because as the Mariners have always said there will be no game before it's time. One thing that stuck out to me was when when Wance um, hit um, Winker, instead of after there had already been a warning issued, why did the umpire not do the traditional, you're out of here, throwing his arm and index finger up in the air, clearly throwing the pitcher out? The reason why they do that is to quell the situation from the time the incident happened. So in the game yesterday, when Winker got hit, the umpire points at uh, Scott Service. He doesn't throw Wance out of the game. He points at Scott Service. At that point, Phil Nevin and the Angel bench, they're barking at Winker. And then that's when he ended up going after when he headed to the dugout but if if the umpire would have simply after an issue had been a a warning had been issued why didn't he just say that's it you're out of here that could have quelled the whole situation I totally agree with you the umpires had a lot to do with it and one thing I can tell you was that that was a triple A umpire stepping in for a regular umpire that was out for some reason oh man yeah and then the other the other thing that I found interesting was why would you why would you hit Winker when you had already thrown at uh, at Julio Rodriguez and the bigger point being look what happened to Justin Upton the week before so you know it's like it hurts just as bad to get hit in the head whether you're a three time MVP or whether he just got brought up from double-A Pawtucket. <laughs> That's a good you know, So, 
Another thought that I have is that the home plate umpire was partially culpable for the entire melee because he could have been more vocal and more animated throwing wants out of the game immediately upon the incident occurring. And when he failed to do that and instead was talking to the catcher and Scott Service, that was when that opened the opportunity up for uh, Winker to uh, to run to the dugout. It's like if he would have thrown, if the umpire would have thrown the pitcher out immediately, then maybe Winker would have just gone to first and this whole thing would have been avoided. Yeah, I don't understand why they couldn't have just said, hey, everybody knew what was going on the, the, at the end of the last game. We're just going to tell you right now, hey, any of this monkey business going on, we're out of here. Any of this crazy throwing shit at each other, consider this your warning. Wouldn't you say, Hanno, that could happen when they're exchanging the scorecards, right? Yeah, obviously the uh, umpires were out in left field and not thinking about what had happened and transpired. And like Steve said, um, usually after someone gets deemed like Winker, he should have raised his arm, threw him out, and then looked and threw uh, Nevin out as well and take control of the game. And they kind of lost control of it. But uh, it's, it, it, it's a bad look for the umpires, in my opinion. That's well stated. He lost control of the game is exactly what happened. People are talking about people are talking about uh, what can be done to stop this um, about retaliation in major leagues, and I don't think there's any way to stop it. I think that it is as much of a part of baseball as uh, fighting is to hockey. I just think that's part of the game. I don't think that's something that can ever change. I have a little project. Well, once again, Edgar Martinez is using Eagle Hardware's incredible selection of brand-name power tools for his latest project. And uh, here's a surprise. Uh, For once, it's not a bat. Oh, it is a bat. It's a light bat. Eagle Hardware and Garden. More of everything. Hanno and I have been talking about uh, is the uh, slick ball. And that was originally in part of this timeline... When Upton got hit in the head, Hanson, you said something about you knew something that Upton went over and talked to the Angels after this the next day. They took it as not believing Upton that it was a mistake hit that wasn't on purpose, and they just didn't believe him. I still say, I still say you don't throw at someone at the end of the game that's that's undecided at that point. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I think it was an accident. What is the difference between backing somebody off the plate, which I think is a strategy, and... Well, that's what Don Drysdale would tell you. <laughs> uh, and what is intentionally throwing what's is it i think it's a very thin line but what's your interpretation of it uh hanno go first well i think it is you know up in the letters and below but the way guys now throw the baseball and manipulate it with cutting and diving and running up you know they don't control it as well and the velocity stuff so it takes off towards the heads and that's what really upsets the batters you know yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. So that the slick baseball 
um, situation. That's a real problem. And I don't understand why that exists because it's, it's one of two things. It could be the way the balls are treated, but that's unlikely because they've been rubbing them with that Delaware mud and putting them in, in the, the humidor and all that. And it just seems like it's the manu- it's the, it's the material that the baseball is made out of. It must be the way that it's manufactured. Some, that's, for some reason, the baseball now is not responding. It's not reacting the same way to being rubbed down the way that baseballs have in the past. So what, you know, what is it? What aspect of the manufacturing is causing it to be slippery? Well, you would really like to listen to our last episode. That's where we're I did listen to, talk- to it. Oh, damn. <laughs> there you-, you can't go now. Play the game. I don't care if you're playing the New York Yankees. You need something hot for lunch. Tell me. There's time for muggle lunch. Some lunch times, there just isn't time for lunch. That's the time to start with muggle lunch. Hot, hearty dishes you make in a mug in minutes, like new chicken noodle and macaroni and cheese. Now you're ready. Muggle lunch? You trying to take advantage of us? Gossage and Penella. The New York Yankees? Muggle lunch. Hot, hearty, in a hurry. So we've seen a lot of videos, we've seen a lot of content, but we've all agreed that there's one uh, piece of content out there if you want to go watch the fight breakdown, and that's by, is it John Boy? Yeah, John Boy Media. They uh, they break it down from all of it, and then uh, John Boy is uh, reading lips and saying what he thinks they're saying. It's quite good. It's like 15 minutes long. Yeah, he's like transcribing it basically. Yep. Everything that's going on. When you watch the fight when it first starts and that you know, Winker's going over there and then the Mariners start coming out and then the Angels jump over the, the railing. Uh your player that uh jumped over the railing and fell. You saw that. Yeah, video. Archie Bradley, relief pitcher, broke his elbow. Yeah, he broke his elbow from this. Now that is the biggest loss that the Angels suffer from this whole ordeal. Damn, that's too bad. Is he a pretty uh, impactful pitcher on the team? Yeah, he's 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 a decent relief pitcher, and he is definitely a veteran who acts as a team leader. So that was uh, that was a, a big blow. Dang, he like broke his elbow before the 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 whole squirmish started. Before the whole rugby uh, scrum started. Scrum. <laughs> Yeah, he crashed and burned pretty hard, falling over the railing. I would say he's kind of like a, a Munoz or a uh, Seawald for us. He's pretty much the setup guy before the closer. Am I correct, Steve? Yes, they they alternate, uh, you know, in that role. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, yes. Also, uh, you know, you, you really get to see J- why and who J.P. Crawford was punching, and you could see why he got you know, the suspension. He was delivering uh, blows to somebody from behind, but he was also hitting somebody who was hitting Winker from, you know, basically from behind as well on his back. And I think that was uh, Dom Chidi, right? Who was who was punching uh, Winker? I think so. Yeah, and then, yeah, Rendon, um, you know, clearly the guy who... Uh, was the first person to strike as far as fists and stuff like that with the open hand slap. He did not use the cast. We did not see, see shades of ace cowboy Bob Orton out there. Kingdom. What's up with that? 
Well, the major difference is, is Bob Orton's arm probably wouldn't have really been broken and the cast would have probably been loaded up with a steel bar or something. But yeah, with, uh, with Rendon, it's interesting. It's like, he can't seem to hit a baseball, but uh, he feels like going and uh, smacking someone in the face. So priorities. <laughs> one of the more interesting things in that video is seeing Taylor Trammell just hem up one of your coaches for the entire. Yeah. Yeah. That was very interesting. And I, I, was wondering when I was watching that live and in the videos, what prompted that decision? <laughs> you know, it was good because it took two, two players were away from the pack, but yeah, it was, it, I, I felt like that was an interesting decision to pull him away like that. Yeah. And there is that point in the video too. You could see when Winker finally gets to Nevin, the coach, and they're just really they're they're going at it verbally, but no punches are being thrown, and this is very after. rare. I feel like I feel like it's very rare that during a fight that two of the combatants, whether it be two players or or coaches involved, that they actually are having a discussion amidst the fight. So it's very unusual. Yeah, and then uh, Hanno, you saw when Upton went down there. You, we, me, and you were talking about that. That was pretty crazy. Uh, Justin Upton. I didn't realize until I watched that video how much of the back and forth with the verbiage he was part of. You know, because you just think, oh, he's he's either really upset with his team or he's friends with people on this team, and then he goes down. And in that video, you know, Mike Trout's the guy to go get him. You saw that, Hannah? Yeah, I mean, uh, like Upton was like one of the third guys into the scrum. Um, Jesse Winker was doing his thing, and then Upton got in and went flying down. And then, if you look back to uh, up, you can see a number, or but you can't see the guy's face. That ended up being Manager Scott Service right down there with him. And then, like you said later on, it's shown where Trout actually grabbed Upton out of that pile to help him. I I think the most surprising thing of this whole, you know, skirmish is the pitcher and the person who got hit, they never fought, but they did have a discussion. And the pitcher found Winker to tell him it from this video that, hey, I had to do it. Right, yeah. Hanno? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Winker goes over, has, gets kind of in the start of it, gets pushed, throws a bunch of left uppercuts. And then he has time during all this to go have a conversation with Nevin, Nevin nothing happens, and then go to have a conversation with a pitcher who hit him when. And they might have figured it out somehow why other things were flaring off. It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy to see him, Winker specifically, from the not a yeah he was an aggressor. He was aggressive there. He was pissed off to holding people back. I think he grabbed Thor Syndergaard. I don't know if this is before he uh, fixed his hair or after, but that, that, that was pretty funny watching him go down and coming up. There's a, on this video that what's the guy's name? John boy has, or you could see it in the video, but it's superimposed. They, they bring it in, they zoom in. And what is it, Steve? His, his hair's coming out of, out of his, uh, his shirt, his shirt gets pulled over his head. He almost looks like, like a hockey move. Yeah. But you know, he almost looks like a Muppet. You know, like when uh, at that point, what's that? The beaker, you kind of that beaker look to him. Uh, 
when they're when they're pulling him out. And then there's another shot of him fixing his hair right before he gets back into the scrum. Yeah, before he yeah after he pulled the shirt back down over his head, he fixed his hair before he started throwing blows. Uh, another person, obviously, we saw in there that I, I'm trying to find specifically what he was doing, but Bill Hasselman uh, is a coach for you guys, but he used to be a catcher for the Seattle Mariners in the 90s. Me and Hannah were pretty familiar with him, and he was actually the guy who got hit that started pretty much the most vicious brawl in Mariners histories, history until now. I mean, maybe it still might be more vicious. It was the 93 brawl with Baltimore. So if you go back and check that out, we also talked about that, I think on like episode five or six, somewhere in there, we, we kind of broke down that uh, fight, but that was, that's pretty ironic that Bill Hasselman is now in the most two, the two most infamous Mariners fights in uh, recent memory. Pretty much, we covered most of what's going. Is there any other things in the in the fight you'd say, "Hey, go check this out. This is specifically uh, pretty interesting." What do you think, Steve? Well, I like in and uh, I'm not sure which video it was in, where there's a woman standing behind the angel dugout and she screams, "Calm down!" In in the crowd, just trying and to calm them. Another down. another thing that I liked was after um, Iglesias had thrown the bubble gum out onto uh, the infield right before he left for the clubhouse. It, uh, it came open and there was uh, bubble gum all over the field and there were angel players picking up the bubble gum so they could res- resume the game. Yeah. And, uh, don't see that very often. No, when that happened, that was pretty, that was pretty insane. The Mariners it, at first, the Mariners did think it was, directed at them but obviously now when you watch this and you know the timeline of when that happened did you hear about uh uh the door dash to jesse winker no hannah why don't you tell them about that so a seattle fan that um lives in arkansas and the reason i'm guessing is he's probably a seattle fan is because we have an affiliate back there anyway um she ordered a pizza. She went online or pizza from a local pizza shop close by the stadium and had communication with the driver. And by, I mean, unbeknownst me, actually got the pizza into the stadium and had security deliver it to Jesse Winker in the uh, clubhouse. <laughs> and she put this on social media and she was very happy and appreciative of the driver. And she got the driver to put out his Venmo account, but without knowing the numbers. And Hundreds of Mariner fans tipped the guy, so he had a record day. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I know. that's pretty crazy. It's still, it was still cheaper than buying something in the stadium, though, right? Now here's Lenny Randall. When the Mariners beat the Red Sox, hitting baseballs Woo! out of sight. Every kid who's fourteen and under. Do you think this is over with, or do you think this could continue? Do you think if there's changes by then, because this would be after the uh, trade deadline, possibly maybe, like you said, Nevin could be gone. What do you see when you look into your crystal ball when it comes to these two as far as the fight? I think that it's pretty much over. 
I think that now that the suspensions have been handed down, I think that uh, the it was such a powder keg before, and then now I think uh, I think things have calmed down to the point where uh, no one wants additional suspensions. They don't want to, they don't want their uh, reputation tarnished because this this wasn't it didn't the angels didn't do themselves any favors. And I, I put, and when I say angels, I guess I'm specifically talking about Phil Nevin because now you have you you have a, a reputation when you're when you're rolling into different cities. It, you know, it's like people don't forget so quickly. Well, when you say rolling in, rolling in with the team towns with reputations, I feel like the Mariners are getting a reputation because I watched the video package they put together. I don't know if it was on MLB Network or ESPN, one of the major people. They were bringing footage of us throwing in Houston and throwing at people in when Boston was in town. So, Hannah, do you feel like our reputation has changed? Um, I maybe a, a little bit, but first of all, we got some young relievers that are new to the big league. They don't want to pinpoint their balls yet when they're throwing. They throw really hard. And, you know, that has an effect on all these games you're talking about. But I, I have to agree, there has been a lot of um, wild pitches, you know, that could be construed as uh, deliberate at the players. But um, so I kind of agree with that. But then on the other hand, we have Ty France who gets hit the most every year, last year, and now he's leaving right. this year. So it's hard to say. So do you think, Hanno, though, do you think this story is over? Or what What do you think? I, I, I think it's probably squashed, yeah. I would agree with Steve. I was just going to think, though, if one does get wild from a guy from either a Mariners pitcher to a, you know, let's say Trout again, or an Angel pitcher towards us, there's, there, I, it could go either way if it flickers off something to get, um, get it all started again. I could yeah. see that. Yeah, if someone, if a pitcher, if a pitcher accidentally uh, lets one go, and uh, it's a threatening style pitch, then yeah, the whole thing could reignite. So I guess my I guess my stance is it's over as long as uh, nothing unfortunate or, or um, unintentional happens that uh, that that's they can't uh, they can't look the other way on and i would think for nevin he wouldn't want to have another thing like this on his resume he just started no, exa- and, exactly, and but... i feel like and i feel like you know he could possibly be like the tom cable coach remember tom cable guys he yeah. punched out the guy when he was in the raiders yeah he coached again he coached up in Seattle. He was a uh, uh, offensive line and in charge of the uh, blocking for running for the Seahawks. But remember when the Seahawks were very successful and there was a lot of coaches under the Pete Carroll tree that were getting job offers everywhere. He never got another job, and and that incident definitely followed him around. So, do you think Nevin would? Uh, do you think he's going to behave like an angel? <laughs> I don't think he'll ever act like an angel, but uh, but I think he's going to uh, have a new attitude when he comes back. I mean, there's, I don't. I, I like on one side of the coin. I like his old school type of uh, response, but 
I don't like the way he did it. You know, it's like I I don't mind, I guess, that they threw behind Rodriguez, but that's just where it should have ended. And to to treat the rookie pitcher in his first major league start like a sacrificial lamb, I didn't like that. Yeah, and you have, you know, we have a Luis Terenz that's hurt from this fight. You guys lost one of your players for, you know, a senseless, you know, fight. And I feel like, yeah, Nevin and the Angels can't, definitely Nevin can't, uh, you know, he's got to change the narrative on this. So I don't feel like he's going to, this isn't going to continue for you guys. And I feel like for the Mariners, and this is directly for Hanson, I feel like we don't have the wiggle room to get in another one of these and lose players for a week, half a week, or even longer, right? Yeah. I mean, we already are behind the eight ball with our slow start to start the year. And now with, and with injuries, and then now with losing these guys for up to a week to, you know, is not helpful, especially when, like, like I just said a minute ago, we have so many injuries that maybe they'll be able to flip-flop them with guys coming back and these guys going on suspension. But, yeah, we, uh, we, we don't have any more games to kick. Yeah. So, hopefully... With the American League East being such a tough division, that wild card is uh, that's it's not uh, not something that's easily achieved. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, we're running out of time here, but we're going to get back with you again, Steve. When the Angels and the Mariners lock it up, we got uh, eleven more games, four more series, two up there, two down here in SoCal. Um, also, we're going to do some deep dive episodes with you on uh, the 1995 Refuse to Lose slash. Angels collapse. I feel like Hanno, they you always see things on the ninety five slide in the the New York Yankees series from them, but you never really get a lot of uh what the chase was like, right? You know, can you think of any content that's really like that? Um, no, I mean like maybe we get a little bit of Luis Soho's broken background slam, but never anything of the month of September leading up to all this. No, not really. So I think it would be fun to look at it from the other angle of a fan that watched the collapse from the other end. I know it could be just, you know, opening it up an old wound for you, Steve, but we'd love to do that with you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun enough for, our, for us. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't all that surprised. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, of course, we talked about this. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive on another Mariners Angels infamous fight, and that's the one that took place in the movie Major League between the Mariners and the Angels. Got some fun stuff on that, so look out for that. I have, yeah. Thanks for getting here with us, Steve. We wanted to sit down and break bread with you know, the other side, the other family, if this was a mafioso, this is the Gambinos sitting down with the Columbos and, you know, we're breaking bread. Well, I appreciate you inviting me onto the show and I'm looking forward to, uh, to being on again. And again, to everybody that's listening and been showing us support. Thank you to our new listeners. Thank you. And always remember to like and subscribe. And so you get the notifications when the new episodes come out. You know, typically we try to get two of them out a week, but you know, when you're subscribed, they just come right to you. So you don't have to have this guessing game. I know a lot of people are like, Hey, 
Are you going to do a, a what's going on with this fight episode? You haven't talked about the fight or the brawl. Well, you know, there's a lot of information coming in, and we were just like you, sitting back, being fans, taking it all in. You know, uh, to use a fishing metaphor, we were throwing our net out and bringing in all the all the information slash fish. And now we've taken it to the cannery. We've chopped it up, and we gave you this episode. Also, if you've liked this episode or other episodes, make sure to rate and uh, give us one of those five-star reviews if you think we're worthy of a five-star review. And again, check us out on all the socials, and go ahead and email us at ryebreadandmustardpodcast at gmail.com. And again, we're on all the socials, so check us out. Uh, This is episode 19 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. Hanno, you know what time it is. Charge.